0: Welcome to Better Animal Handling, episode 133. From the center of Missouri, USA, I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and steak-loving co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from Chihuahua's to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode is on the best growing practice for beef cattle. Our topics for this week are feedlots compared to grass-fed cattle, consolidation of beef processing in the United States, and certification of grass-fed cattle. The best growing practice for beef cattle depends on the goal of raising cattle. Some people are focused on raising cattle as fast as possible for the greatest profit possible. These people also claim that the U.S. must feed the world while inferring that providing beef is a necessity. Others are primarily interested in raising cattle in the most feasible, humane ways until a humane slaughter. This group is generally more interested in the quality of nutrition in beef created in the beef production method. Other issues in beef production are the effect on the environment and the quantity of land needed. About 85% of all beef production in the United States involves feedlots with more than 1,000 head. At around 500 pounds in weight, calves are sent to feedlots to be fed grain with supplements in great quantities, more than 30% of their diet, to speed weight gain, especially in fat for 200 days. Velots are a form of concentrated feeding operations, or CAFOs, used to speed the growth of livestock and reduce costs. Due to the stress of the diet and the close confinement of young cattle from various cow-calf producers, diseases requiring antibiotics are more frequently needed than in cattle kept on pasture. The use of small family-owned feedlots began in the 1940s in the United States. By the early 1960s, feedlots had become large corporate-owned operations. The other older and more expensive method of raising cattle is on pasture until the time of slaughter. In the 1980s, large meat packers began buying out owners of feedlots. Today, 74% of all beef production in the United States is controlled by four companies, Tyson, JHS, Cargill, and National Beef. JHS is a Brazilian-owned company who bought out Swift in the United States, and it's the largest beef company in the world. Marfrig, who owns National Beef, is also a Brazilian company and it's the fourth largest beef producer in the world. In 2015, Congress repealed the mandatory country-of-origin labeling of beef. In addition, the USDA allows foreign-produced beef to be repackaged in the United States and labeled as a product of the United States. Cattle raised in feedlots are much more likely and pasture-fed cattle to cause groundwater contamination with cow manure, create air pollution, and require antibiotics that occur in beef products. Many feedlots have concrete pads, which can cause lameness and skin injuries and, and uncovered grassless dirt lots that become mud pits in wet weather, and there's often Insufficient shade for hot weather. Grass-fed cattle spread their urine and manure over a larger area, reducing adverse environmental impact. Grass-covered areas with less traffic than feedlots do not become mud pits. Most pastures, especially in the Midwest, have sufficient shade from trees and sheds to be more than sufficient shade from the sun. Several nutritional benefits are associated with grass-fed beef. Grass-fed beef has less fat and therefore fewer calories. Higher levels of conjugated linoleic acid, which is believed to reduce the risk of some forms of cancer. And higher amounts of omega-3 fatty acids, which decrease inflammation, plus less bacteria compared to feedlot-fed beef. One problem with grass-fed beef is that any cattle that have been fed on grass can be labeled as grass-fed. However, the American Grass-Fed Association has a process which ensures the beef it certifies is beef that comes from cattle without close confinement or high-grain diets. More information is available at americangrassfed.org. Abby and I like to eat beef. We usually eat steak once a week. We have some concern about the control of beef prices by four companies, two of which are foreign, and buying foreign-grown beef products that are labeled as a product of the United States. However, our focus is on whether animals are handled safely and humanely. When we compare the living conditions for feedlot cattle compared to cattle on pasture, There are striking differences. Humane handling is based on the 1965 Bramble Report by the World Organization of Animal Health. The five basic needs of domestic animals, according to the Bramble Report, were a suitable environment, a suitable diet, the ability to exhibit normal behavior, to be housed with or apart from other animals, to be protected from pain, suffering, injury, and disease. In our opinion, it's clear that raising cattle on pasture is the best method of handling cattle. However, to be true to our principles, we must pay more for beef and possibly eat it less often. We think that that's a small price to pay for being more humane to cattle and having a safer source of beef that contributes directly to our nation's economy. If you have comments or you're interested in particular subjects, contact us at cbc at com. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Grass-fed cattle live a life with more of the five basic needs of animals than do feedlot cattle. Foreign-raised beef can be repackaged and sold in the United States as a U.S. product. The American Grass-Fed Association certifies beef as being produced without excessive confinement or high-grain diets. Abby says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and for many other fine book supply sources. Additional information is available at PetterAnimalHandling.com. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening, Abby, and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about dangerous drinking water for dogs. Hey, Abby, you're an Australian cattle dog do you think cattle will ever be grown on concrete floors in enclosed buildings with their manure collected in lagoons under the buildings in the United States? Abby said if they are, she would have to change her name to Walsing Matilda and apply for migration back to Australia.